0: Subscribe to Inclusion Revolution Radio, wherever you can get
1: podcasts. Underdog Fantasy is the fastest-growing fantasy app, and easiest place to play fantasy sports. Just jump on underdogfantasy.com or download the app. Draft your team, and that's it. And if drafts aren't your thing, they also have a Pick'em game where you can win 20 times your money in a single night. Use promo code RADIO, and Underdog will double your first deposit when you sign up with up to $100 in bonus cash. Deposit $100? Get $100 free. That's promo code radio. Terms and conditions apply.
2: Hello everyone and welcome into Stacking the Box. I am at Verram alongside Josh Hill and week one is in progress. We're recording this during the Sunday night game, the game about to go into the fourth quarter, the Bears up 23. Uh, We have a lot to get to. Of course, there were 12 other games on Sunday. There was the game on Thursday night between Philly and Atlanta. There's a couple of Monday night games still to be played, but let's jump right in a ton, a ton of storylines to come out of the week one action and for you, Mr. Hill, what was your biggest takeaway as we come away from the first NFL Sunday of the year?
3: It was just that. It was the confirmation that week one is its just wild. <laughs> you can never predict what's going to happen. Point being... I thought the Buccaneers were going to get just absolutely blown out at the Superdome, which most people did, and they end up hanging almost half a hundred and beating Drew Brees and the Saints, who are now 0-1, joining the 0-1 Falcons, two teams that a lot of people thought were going to go to the, the playoffs and compete for a Super Bowl. So it's only been one week. It's hard to say that we have an idea of what's going on, but it does seem like this year We don't really have an idea where these things are going to go, and that was highlighted last year by the fact that Nick Foles was Super Bowl MVP. I just, I'm really excited to see where these things go. And another thing that kind of highlights that is there was no like standout fantasy superstar sleeper like last year, Tariq Cohen went off in week one. In years past, we've had players that we've highlighted and said, ooh, that's a really, that's, that was a really good week by this guy we've never heard of before. And we didn't have that this week. So it, it's kind of setting the table to be a weird season, but that's, that sure beats predictability in my book. So
2: Yeah, uh, look, I'm with you. I wrote my Monday Stack in the Box column with the lead being that we had a lot of teams that were really hyped coming into the year, and they didn't look to part week one. And I feel like we could say that almost every year. But this year, it really seemed to stick out to me. Look, there were some teams, and I'll just name a few off top of the bat or off the top of my head. San Francisco. Everybody talks about the 49ers now. how great the Niners are going to be this year and, and how good they're going to look and Jimmy G, and he's never lost a game. Well, Jimmy G's lost a game now. He got boxed around by the Vikings. He threw three picks. One was a pick six. Now, look, the 49ers didn't play great around. They dropped some balls. I understand that. But... And then they were playing a very good team in Minnesota. Kirk Cousins got off the little bit of a better start than some of the other mm-hmm. quarterbacks making their debuts for new teams. But Garoppolo didn't play well. I thought another team. I hate to say it, Hill, but you. I know you basically have been a, a an agent for that before. <laughs> they looked terrible. It was bad. They look yeah. now. Look, I understand they played in a ridiculous situation. The game was suspended twice for lengthy periods of time. Mariota got hurt. Delaney Walker ugly-looking lower leg injury. Hopefully, he's not out for the year, but it, from what it looked like, it could be a possibility. Mm-hmm. They look terrible. I mean, you you can't go to Miami and lose that game. With the AFC South is going to be very competitive. And there are some other teams we'll get to, but for me, my main takeaway was, you know, the hype machine gets going for some of these teams in February and in March, and it just builds and builds and builds. And you get to September, and... All that nonsense goes by the boards because reality hits. Mm -hmm. And it's like, oh, right, this is Jimmy Garoppolo's eighth career start. And, oh, yeah, right, Marcus Mariota threw more picks than touchdowns last year. Somehow all that stuff doesn't matter in August, but it sure as hell does in September.
3: Yeah, I also don't want to bury the lead that the Browns didn't lose. They did not lose. They're They're undefeated. (laughs) That's the most Cleveland thing ever. Like, we were watching that game in the office. And it was just such a back and forth thing. It was like, oh, the Steelers are going to win. Oh, the Browns are going to win. Holy crap, the Steelers are going to win. Oh my god, I can't believe the Browns are going to win. And the most Cleveland thing ever is for them to end a losing streak without actually winning a game. Like thats just the, the the limbo, the hell that these Browns fans have been living in since this team came back from the crypt in 1999. It's just incredible to me. Like that—that that to me is one of the most bizarre, fascinating things that I have ever seen happen to a narrative. I mean, it's it was a tie. We've seen ties before, and I think this was the first tie since like 1979 in a week one game or something like that. Um, But just the fact the context of the. bra.
4: Introducing Under Armour's Infinity High sports bra. Its ergonomic design is molded to support the natural movement of your body with cord out padding, the better breathability eliminates extra bulk without sacrificing support. And quick-dry padding is Under Armour's fastest drying padding yet. When you're lifting heavy, running fast, and pushing yourself further than ever before, you need a bra that will help you go that extra mile and make you feel your best. Shop the Infinity High Sports Bra now at UA.com.
3: ...broke a losing streak by not winning. My God, Hugh Jackson, build the statue. This is phenomenally stupid.
2: And, And you know what, look... You walk away from that, and you do just say like it, that game for anyone who didn't see it. Mm-hmm. Pittsburgh was terrible, awful. Repeatedly, we're talking four picks from Roethlisberger, and he and he deserved them. He was he stunk. He he lost a fumble in overtime that somehow didn't lead to the game-winning field goal, even though it was inside their own thirty-yard <laughs> line. Cleveland, <laughs> you know, and and you walk away from game. Pittsburgh turned the ball over a half dozen times Mm -hmm. and still the Browns couldn't win the game. And to me, when I watched that game, the Browns are still poorly coached. Yep. The Browns still can't execute simple, basic things that every other team in the league can, except maybe Buffalo, who we'll get to later. Like, I just walked away from that saying, and I think we're going to talk about this throughout the course of this podcast, but like, which team does it say more about? Does it say more about the Browns that maybe they're better, but they just couldn't finish? Does it say more about Pittsburgh? To me, that game said more about the Steelers. I know the Browns are just not that good of a team. They're not Mm -hmm. going to be able to execute sometimes. The Steelers, you spent all week rambling on about Le'Veon Bell. Maybe pay attention more to the practice fields. Because the last two times I've seen the Steelers, they've been getting their butts handed to them by teams they should beat. In this case, obviously, Mm -hmm. more so than, than against Jacksonville we'll get to Pittsburgh here even more so in a little bit we're going to go through we're going to kind of just generally talk about the NFL and then we're going to touch on all the week two games um, and and their lines for the ones that have them already but yeah for me Pittsburgh I I just I wonder if it's time maybe for a new voice now locker room I'm not saying like tomorrow but after this year like is it time everybody runs their course Tomlin's been there for I believe this is his 13th season as the head coach yeah like at what point is enough just enough
3: yeah, and you think about you talk about the last time that we saw them with Jacksonville, they were also not focused. in or they, their eye wasn't on the ball, so to speak. They were talking about how they were going to beat New England the next week. They were going to go into fo- We're, were going to go into Foxborough, and they were going to beat them. They were going to go to the Super Bowl, and they weren't focused on the Jaguars, and they lost. Same thing here. All we're talking about leading up to this game. You got the offensive lineman talking about Le'Veon Bell. You've got people tweeting about it. He's the huge storyline. People are trashing him. It's us versus them. And they're not talking about the Browns. And they almost lost. Like, if the Browns were worth a crap, they would have won. Like, that to me, this was their best chance to win. They didn't do it. I mean, Tyrod Taylor looked pretty awful for most of that game. The defense was the only bright, shining spot for the Browns, in my opinion. And they held the Steelers to 21 points, 4-6 turnovers. They looked pretty good. But the Browns are not a good team. If this was the Chargers, if this was another team, like the Raiders maybe, I don't think that the Steelers win this game. And then we're having a completely different conversation. You know, they still technically haven't won a game this year. They're 0-0-1. And if they lose to Kansas City next week, being 0-1-1, that's not a hot start to your season. So, and the whole thing about changing the voice in the locker room, that's something we kind of talked about. I, I, I was waiting for the wheels to come off for the Steelers and it seems that we're, we're moving towards that at a pretty rapid pace because you don't tie with the Browns in week one and not have that set a tone a dark dark tone for your season that that's just that's gross that's a gross way to start your season for the Steelers and if I'm a fan in Pittsburgh right now I don't feel very good at all about what I saw
2: uh yeah look I think that's a that's a very fair assessment And I want to just jump into it. Look, we're going to go through all the Week 2 games. Like I mentioned, we're going to give you the lines for the lines that are there. I I don't see a line for Houston, Tennessee, uh, because we don't know what's going on. Mariota left this game against the Dolphins with an elbow injury. Um, But all the other games do have lines, from what I can tell. So let's jump right into it. And as we go into these Week 2 games, we'll kind of go back and look back and talk about what we saw Week 1. The Thursday night game is is interesting. It's going to be a pair of 1-0 teams. Baltimore – at Cincinnati, Baltimore's favored by a point and a half on the road here. But the Bengals, didn't look particularly impressive against the, the Colts. They were trailing for most of the game. To their credit, they did find a way. They came back. They ended up winning, going away. I believe it was thirty-four to twenty-three. Uh, forgive me if I'm off by a point there. It's been a long day. Hill and I have been in here, I think, now for thirty <laughs> straight hours. Uh, but the, the Bengals got the job done. It was thirty-four to twenty-three. They did give up. 319 passing yards to lock, but it was on 53 attempts. Dalton was economical, 21-28, 243, a couple of touchdowns. A.J. Green, six catches, 92 yards, and a score. And maybe most importantly for the Bengals, Joe Mixon, yeah. 95 rushing yards on 5.5 yards a carry and a touch. Look, Bengals host this game. It's going to be for first place in the AFC North, no matter what happens otherwise uh, next week. And so a big divisional game for both sides. Baltimore, of course, just... Laid it on, the Bills. Yeah. I, I don't care how bad the Bills are. 47-3, that is a pounding. So I'll let you lead off here, Hill. Baltimore at Cincinnati, thoughts?
3: It's hard to judge the Ravens based off of that game against the Bills because the Bills are just so terrible. Like On paper, it looks great. It looks like, oh, Harbaugh and the Ravens, they figured it out. They've got all these defensive starters coming back. Maybe they can put it together, especially if this is going to be, as we've been predicting here, and more people are starting to see a down year for the Steelers. But they played the Bills, who started Josh Allen at one point in the game. Like Things got so bad with Nathan Peterman that they had to go to Josh Allen much earlier than they probably would have preferred to do. So that, to me, makes it hard to say, yeah, the Ravens are going to win this game running away. This is going to be a good matchup. You know These Thursday night matchups get a bad rap, but I like what I saw out of the Bengals. That defense, its it could be good here. If the offense can get going, it doesn't have to be a, the, the league's leading offense. It just has to be serviceable. It just has to get the job done. And this is a game that kind of defines that. As long as Andy Dalton doesn't make any mistakes, as long as the defense can get the job done, I think that the Bengals could win this, so I'm gonna I'm actually gonna go with the Bengals on this one, simply because I think that they had a little bit harder of a test against the Colts in Week One than the Ravens did against the Bills, who are barely a team and probably won't be at all at any point this season.
2: So I think the Colts, uh, and we'll get to them, but I don't think they're much more of a test than the Bills, and like, I think they're better than the Bills, but I don't think the Colts are very good. No. Let's put it that way. The Ravens, that was. I don't think the Ravens are a Super Bowl team. We both picked them, ironically enough, though, to win the AFC North. Yeah. Like, to me, yeah, Buffalo stinks. That's how you beat a bad team. You don't leave it into, oh, well, yeah, we beat them 20-16. to Like, the Bengals barely beat the Colts. The Ravens just plowed the Bills. So give me the Ravens in the game. Although your point is well taken on the Bengals. Look, they did a nice job, and they're at home. They could certainly win. It's a short week, which helps the home team always, okay? But I was impressed by Baltimore. And forget yeah. look, forget even the score for a second. Flacco looked the best he's looked in a long time. He's got Lamar Jackson behind him. I think he knows, hey, look, if I don't play well, th- this could be the end of the line for me in Baltimore. Uh, played 25-34, you know, three touchdowns. Thought he looked very good. The Ravens don't have a star receiver by any stretch, but they had six guys go over 30 yards receiving in the game. So really spread the ball around, did a nice job there. And I love their defense, and their defense came up big this time. Uh, you know, they, they forced a fumble. They didn't recover, but they did force one. Uh, they had six sacks. They had two picks. That's That'll play. And look, I get the Bills are terrible. I understand that. We'll get to the Bills in a minute. But I'll take the Ravens' uh, favorite. I'll, I'll swallow the point and a half. On Sunday, uh, we'll go from 1 o'clock games to the late window. On Sunday, the Panthers are at the Falcons. And th- this is something. We, you always talk about how the Panthers are underrated. Mm-hmm. We always underrate them. The nationally, it seems they get underrated. The Falcons just look like garbage on Thursday night. They lost Keanu Neal for the year to a torn ACL. The Falcons are 4.5-point favorites over the 1-0 and Panthers at home. Thoughts?
3: I don't like the Panthers, but I dislike the, what I saw from the Falcons even more. Uh, that red zone offense, it was a problem in the playoffs last year. It's why they went home early, and it was atrocious. Like, right off the bat, we were watching the game, and they the Falcons got down there a couple of times, And it became a joke as to how Steve Sarkeesian was going to screw it all up. And then ultimately, at the end of the game, it was almost a carbon copy of what we saw at the end of the divisional round last year when they lost in Philadelphia. Goal line, got to get in, go to Julio. It doesn't work. And Matt Ryan and Julio Jones don't have that great of a relationship in the red zone. It's not great. You know, you talk about Julio Jones being one of the best receivers in football, which he is, because he stretches the field. He makes a lot of these dynamite plays. He's a highlight reel type of guy. But when it gets down to it, when you're looking for a red zone target, it just doesn't happen. And that's a problem. And it's also a problem when you can't figure out how to use a guy like that to score points. You're down there and you're giving it to Devante to, to, to Freeman. You're trying to squeeze Tevin Coleman in there. You've got other options and it doesn't even have to be Julio. I mean, you've got Muhammad Sanu in there, maybe go there,
1: Austin Hooper can be Underdog Fantasy is the fastest-growing fantasy app, and easiest place to play fantasy sports. Just jump on underdogfantasy.com or download the app. Draft your team, and that's it. And if drafts aren't your thing, they also have a Pick 'Em game where you can win 20 times your money in a single night. Use promo code RADIO, and Underdog will double your first deposit when you sign up with up to $100 in bonus cash. Deposit $100? Get $100 free. That's promo code RADIO. Terms and conditions apply. He used
3: I, the, the play calling for Steve Sarkeesian just baffles me, and that was a narrative last year, and it hasn't changed a lot from what we've seen this year. And I know it's only one game, and we can't judge a guy off of an entire season based on one game. But there was no indications in that Philadelphia game that any problem was diagnosed last year and then corrected. And that that's that's going to be a tough tough sell. To anybody who's trying to pick the Falcons, the uh, Panthers, on the other hand, didn't look super impressive against a very awful Cowboys team, but it's the kind of the way that they've always gotten these wins. It's gritty. It's dirty. It's just good enough to get the win, but bad enough to say, oh, this team's not any good. And all of a sudden, they're winning the division. They're going to the divisional round. So give me Carolina in this one, because what I saw out of Atlanta was very depressing. And it's not, it's, and Matt Ryan too. I mean I'll hand it over to you on this one but like Matt Ryan my god what a gross game that was like you're supposed Not to good. be Matty Ice Not you just good. got an extension you're million dollars that's what you turn out man something's got to change in Atlanta because that's rough
2: you know what I'm going to pick Atlanta in this game I think Carolina covers and the order, I'll tell you flat out the only reason I'm taking Atlanta is they're at home they have uh. a long break because they had the extra three days mm. it's like a mini buy, and they have to win they lose, I know it sounds ridiculous, they lose this game. They're 0-2, they will have lost at home to the Panthers, obviously I have to see them in a rematch down in Charlotte, or in their case, up in Charlotte. But we agree, I mean, we watched the game over at my my uh, condo. The Falcons just cannot execute. The, Muhammad Sanu, Julio Jones, Calvin Ridley, Tel, Telvin Coleman, Tevin Coleman, excuse me, Devonta Freeman, and of course Matt Ryan, they can't do anything. Mm-mm. They look like Buffalo in the red zone. Like, how are you that incompetent? And there were so many times where the Falcons are lining up in a jumbo set where they got an extra offensive lineman or two or three tight ends in there, depending on the formation. And they're trying to run over Philadelphia, who might have the best front seven in football. Hey, guys, spread them out and then run the ball. Or even a better idea, throw the ball to Julio Jones. I don't understand how this is that difficult for Steve Sarkeesian to figure out. I don't pretend to know more about football than, than Sarkeesian does, but I know enough to, to realize what a gigantic mismatch Leo Jones is in the red zone, and they're throwing the ball to Austin Hooper. I just will never understand it. Now, all that said, I think the Falcons figure it out for this week. But I will say, and then we can move on, the thing that bothers me about the Falcons, and the thing that bothers me a lot going forward about them, and this is some, some of you almost picked them to go Super Bowl this Teams that don't figure out problems that they had the year prior, that is a gigantic, gigantic red flag. Mm -hmm. The Falcons had all-off season to figure this out and came out and looked ridiculous. That's not good. Every team's going to have their weaknesses, their issues, fine. That, to me, is an example of not being able to coach. And I don't put it at Dan Quinn's feet. I put it at Sarkeesian's feet. They gave you Calvin Ridley. They retained everybody else. And you still can't score? They should have won that game. That game should have been over in the first quarter. They killed Philadelphia in that game. And didn't matter because they just could not do anything inside the 20-yard line. But I will take them because I think they have to win. And Carolina, while their defense I think is very good, I do worry about them offensively. Greg Olson left with a foot injury. Okay, we don't know the severity of that yet. New noise for 161 yards, took three sacks. I, I don't know. I'm not a huge Cam Newton guy. I never have been. Their, their leading receiver was Christian McCaffrey, 45 yards. Like That offense just worries me. But they won. Give them credit. Like you said, they, they win a lot and they win ugly. Um, moving on, staying, although somewhat in the NFC South, the Saints, who were shellacked by your bucks, are eight-point favorites over the Cleveland Browns in Week 2. Uh, the Browns, of course, they of the tie, as we already talked about. <laughs> The Saints, you mentioned earlier, everybody thought they were going to roll your Buccaneers. You were at the front of that bandwagon. Yep. And all of a sudden, Fitzy comes out and for 400 <laughs> gazillion yards with 48 points on the board. The Saints, Drew Brees was fantastic, but it wasn't enough. They lose anyway. The Browns, eight-point underdogs, week two, heading into NOLA. Thoughts?
3: Uh, well, I, I said this about the Bucs and it ended up not being true, but the Browns are going to get smoked. It's going to be a killing. They're going to have to put that thing behind a paywall because it is not going to be pretty. NSFW underscore highlight. Don't don't let the kids watch. No, viewer discretion strongly advised. And I say that because what we saw out of Tyrod Taylor against the Steelers, which is an all right defense but didn't really light us on fire, it wasn't good. He was making mistakes. He was doing the stuff he was doing in Buffalo, but he didn't have, it seems like, the relationship with the offensive weapons, and I use weapons very flexibly. Uh, that he did in Buffalo. And so it didn't really translate. And you also on the flip side of this have to understand that the Saints are still a good team. Week one's just a very wonky week to play. And they just got smoked at home by Ryan Fitzpatrick and Deshaun Jackson and and, uh, Mike Evans and Peyton Barber outrushed Elvin Kamara. That team's going to be...
2: Barber's one of those things. It's not like the other. Yeah, yeah exactly. The
3: but they all had a good game and it's ridiculous. And that team's going to be pissed off next week. They're at home. And you, you talked about with the Falcons not being able to recognize and diagnose a problem that they had last season. One of the reasons that the Saints were so good is because week to week they were able to identify things they weren't doing right or doing well and they fixed it. And that's why... They were one missed tackle away from potentially being good enough to go to the Super Bowl. You know, Marcus Williams doesn't miss that tackle on Stephon Diggs. We're having a different conversation about that game in Philly. And maybe it's, you know, Drew Brees has already retired because he won a Super Bowl last year. It's a big, big difference. So to me, the Saints, they are going to be a team to watch moving forward here. And the Browns aren't going to stand in the way. That defense is going to turn around. It's a good defense. Now. If they turn in another performance like they did against the Buccaneers with the Browns, that's, <laughs> that's going to be a problem. It's not going to happen, But especially not at home. But if it does, they, there might be a riot in New Orleans. But it's going to be hard to pick against the Saints in this one.
2: The Saints are going to do things to them that deserve prison time. <laughs> Look, I'm happy for Cleveland and their fans that they got a tie. I can't believe I'm actually saying that about a fan base, a team, but here we are. By the way, as we're recording this, the Sunday night game is going on, and Aaron Rodgers has turned down the difficulty uh, in this game for rookie, and it is <laughs> it is becoming what could be very talked about tomorrow morning. So obviously, we're gonna we're recording through the fourth quarter. Uh, we'll, we'll intersperse here with thoughts on this game, we're living the Packers, this journey in live time. It, it was 23 about 30 seconds ago. It's now 2017. Anywho. Um, I'll make mine short and sweet. Look, I think the Saints are going to crush Cleveland. Cleveland just isn't good. And until they fire Hugh Jackson, they're not going to be good. They can't execute. I talked about it earlier. That's why I'm not going to get too into it here. Uh, at some point here, you've got to be able to make basic plays. And the Steelers did everything they could to lose, and the Browns still couldn't find a way to win the game. You just walk away from it, at least I do, saying, at some point, yeah, the players aren't good, but it's on the coaches. Like, you have to be able to do something. you got Greg Williams with the safety, like 30 yards off the line, of scrimmage in third and eighth. I mean, you're playing 11 on 10.
3: Mm-hmm.
2: You could you could put Tyreek Hill back there in that spot. He can't get up there fast enough to make a tackle. It's so dumb. And I, I just honestly, Todd Haley should be the head coach of that team. Yeah, And he will be soon enough. That team has all kinds of issues. Are they better than last year? Well, yeah, they went all 16 last year. So yes, they're already better guaranteed to be better than last year. But the Saints in the Superdome, the worst thing that could have happened for Cleveland is what happened today. Yeah, That the Saints lost that game. They are going to come out ready to go. And as you point out, if by some miracle the Saints lose that game...
4: Yeah, it's going to be then, bad.
2: Then it's a five-alarm fire. But I think the Saints win. That line could be 30 and I pick them to cover. <laughs> okay? So that's where I stand on that. We move on to the one game that we don't have a line for yet. Houston at Tennessee. Tennessee lost 27-20. to Actually, so did Houston. They both did on the road. Tennessee lost to Miami. Houston, a little bit more of a respectable loss. Lost to New England. Uh, I'll kick off here my leading takeaway from both those teams are the quarterbacks mm-hmm. okay now to varying degrees of course Watson's coming off a torn ACL She should understand some rust there but he did not look good I watched a lot of that game live. I'm going to go back and rewatch it as well but 17-34 to 34 for a buck 76 a touchdown a pick he was sacked three times he he looked he looked pretty mundane and I'll, I'll tell you right now part of their problem is they can't block mm-hmm. and now Central Henderson who wasn't good to begin with might be out for the season with a right tackle hurt his leg I believe it was if, if that's the case, they're even worse up front. They have problems. Like They, they have real problems. Houston, and I almost picked the Texans to win the AFC Championship. In fact, I thought this was an AFC Championship game preview going into it. And maybe it will be. Watson's going to have to be great for that to happen. Because you look at this and just say, they can't block. They're going to eventually have a hard time running the ball. That They ran the ball pretty well today. Uh, I think the Texans, not a huge deal that you lost in New England. Like, Okay, you can bounce back from that. Whoever loses this game, though, is 0-2. Yeah. And that's significant, even in a weaker AFC. That division is good. I'm very curious to see how this all shakes out. And Tennessee, look, I'll just be on them briefly, but we don't know what's going on with Mariota. He hurt his elbow. 9-16 for 103 yards and two picks. Ugh. I mean, what? You know, and every time I say something about Mariota on Twitter, I get killed by all the Titans fans who scream their head off that I don't understand what I'm looking at and he's never had any help. How many, how many years are we going to do this before he's just not good? Because I got to tell you, every time I watch Mar- Marcus Mariota, he's not good. And 9-16 for a buck three and two picks stinks. You're not beating anybody playing like that. They ran the ball all right. Corey Davis had a decent day. Delaney Walker, unfortunately, had a, had a gruesome injury at the end of the game with mm-hmm. his ankle slash leg. I'm taking Houston. Because I just, regardless of who plays quarterback, man, I have no faith in Mariota at this point. And while I like the Titans' defense, I don't like it enough to pick up that slack.
3: No, and the Titans' defense didn't look good against Ryan Tannehill, who was playing his first game since 2016. So that was a little bit alarming. And, you know, Matt is not a miracle worker to the point where he can work Blaine Gabbard. Okay, that's that's, that's the floor. We we find out what the floor is, it's Blaine Gabbard. He's not turning him into an MVP. But, you know, the reports are that Delaney Walker's out for the season, and if you saw the injury, that's you know, bad. expected. Uh, the Titans, I, I, I don't think that they're going to fall off a cliff. I think they'll course correct at some point. I don't think it's going to be in week two because this is a must win for both of these teams. They can't afford to go to 0-2, and I think the Texans are the better team. They have a better defense. I think Deshaun Watson's going to bounce back after a pretty rough game in New England, which, by the way, I'm not so forgiving on that loss. Like, yeah, you lost in New England, but they should have won. Like, at what point do you just stop and say, hey— it's not good enough to lose to New England. Like they're better, They were better than New England on paper heading into that game. New England's defense stinks. We saw that live and in color, too. It stunk for most of that game. But because the Texans weren't executing right, because they were blowing opportunities, and because they're coached by Bill O'Brien, those are all factors that led to a loss. Now, can they bounce back and return? Can they correct that? Can they identify what's going wrong? That's the big question. And, of course, that all comes down to how well the team is coached which I don't have a whole lot of faith in. But as far as the short term, this week too, I think they have enough talent to bounce back, at least defensively. As bad as the Titans looked on offense, I think that J.J. Watt and company can take care of that. I will say, I was surprised by how well Deion Lewis played. He was the leading rusher for the Titans. That was kind of a joke that he was going to be an afterthought, you know, another Patriots guy moving on. It turns out that Malcolm Butler was the joke. He got burned on a 75-yard touchdown pass. So... I'm taking the Texans to win this one, and I'm not, the, the jury's not out on the Titans for me just yet, but it's not looking like it's going to be a good verdict.
2: I picked the Titans to go to the playoffs go 10 and go 10-6, but i got to tell you, I am so sick of watching their offense. Yeah. I really am.
1: It's so, so frustrating. At, at
2: some point, put up a shut-up. Get yep. down the field. Get in the end zone. Yep. Enough of this. They're nonsense. I almost said a word I'm not allowed to say it on uh, <laughs> the podcast. We'd have to bleep that out. I mean, just enough with the crap. Get yep. in the end zone. Nobody cares about, well, you know, they dropped this many passes. Look, the bottom line is it's the NFL. It's a bit win the game. Mm-hmm. And the Titans just never find the way that they were 9 and 7 last year. They are the worst 9 and 17 I've ever seen. Of course, they found the way to beat my Chiefs, but, you know, hey, what else is no. new? Okay somewhat staying in the AFC South, Indianapolis, at Washington. Washington, a five-point favorite in this game. My question to you, Mr. Hill, how in God's name are the Redskins only a five-point favorite in that game at
3: all? <laughs> it's, the, it's the Andrew Luck factor. I mean, this is why the, the Colts were favored to beat the Bengals week one. Like, th- this is going to happen for some reason. Andrew Luck is back, and all of a sudden it changes the Colts' fortunes. And as we saw against Cincinnati, that's not necessarily the case. Now, this game is interesting to me because we could be living in a world where the Redskins are sneakily 2-0 because they just absolutely dragged Arizona behind the woodshed in week one in an embarrassing showing for the Cardinals. Now, if they win this game, all of a sudden they're 2-0. and We'll get to the Giants later and the Cowboys, but one of those teams is definitely going to be 0-2 heading into week three. Who knows what goes on with Philly and Tampa Bay next week. I'm assuming they're going to win, but if you, let's say they lose somehow, the Bucks shock though Fitzmagic is sprinkling the the fairy dust all over the place and all of a sudden they win and the and the Eagles are one and one, Washington's in first place. So it goes back to this whole thing where in the offseason and leading up to the season previews and all these things, a lot of you know, pundits and experts like to think that they know what they're talking about, ourselves included, because neither of us had the Eagles winning the Super Bowl last year or the Bills making the playoffs. But you look at a team like Washington, and even we said it, it doesn't light us on fire. There's nothing really special going on there. They don't have a good running back. They brought back Adrian Peterson. Alex Smith's all right, but he's a game manager. I don't know if Jay Gruden can kind of tap into something there. I'm not saying they're going to go 12 and four, but
4: introducing Under Armour's infinity high sports bra. It's ergonomic design is molded to support the natural movement of your body. With cord out padding, the better breathability eliminates extra bulk without sacrificing support. And quick dry padding is Under Armour's fastest drying padding yet. When you're lifting heavy, running fast and pushing yourself further than ever before, you need a bra that will help you go that extra mile and make you feel your best. Shop the Infinity High Sports bra now at UA.com.
3: you go 10 and six and you get into the playoffs. That to be Philly did that last year. They, you know, they didn't go 10 and six, but they got into the playoffs, and they were able to control their narrative. The, the Redskins, to me, aren't a team that we can write off just because they're not interesting. And that's something that I'm guilty of because I wasn't interested in the Redskins heading into week one. And now here we are heading into week two, and they very well could be in control of the NFC East if things bounce their way. Or at the very least, they remain in the conversation near the top of that division. I, you know, I like them.
2: Fair enough. I'll be brief on this. Like, I think the Redskins win. I think they cover. I don't trust the Colts at all. If the Colts couldn't beat the Bengals at home, there's no reason to think they're beating the Redskins on the road. Uh, I, I'm still not a big believer in the Redskins. I got to see the Redskins beat a good team. I did pick the Cardinals to be fair, and the Cardinals laid a big time egg. I give the, the Redskins credit. Look, Alex Smith. God knows I've had a good look at him for the last five years, and I respect Alex Smith. He can play. People just look at him and think, "Ah, he's you know he's Alex Smith." No. Alex Smith can play. My my question is: Is Adrian Peterson rushing for 100 yards every week? No. You know. It, If he's not, is Jordan Reed going to stay healthy? Like, there's just a lot of things. Like, the Redskins, uh, to me, are just a team that there's a lot of question marks. Uh, But, hey, give them credit. They won their first game. and I think they'll win their second. Another one o'clock game as we move along. The Chiefs are at the Steelers. The Chiefs are underdogs in this game. Five-point underdogs, as a matter of fact. The Steelers, of course, we've gone over at length here, and I'm sure we'll touch on a little bit more, uh, tied their game against Cleveland. The Chiefs, we haven't talked about at all. 38-28 victors in Los Angeles, although it felt like it was Arrowhead Stadium, just a miniature version with all the red in it. Um, I'll lead off here. I think the Steelers are going to win this game, but I'm going to be very blunt. I have no idea what the heck's going to happen because the Chiefs can score. The Steelers, I don't know that they can stop anybody with any kind of an offense, the flip side of that is is Pittsburgh might score fifty five points, so I don't know what to expect in this game. I'm taking the Steelers because they have the Chiefs number recently and they're at Heinz Field. Yeah. You've got to imagine they're going to bounce back. I think if you're the Chiefs, you looked at the start of the schedule and said, "Hey, look, we play the Chargers and Steelers on the road. We come out of that one on one, we're great." And the Chargers, frankly, were the more important games; it's divisional mm-hmm. and they won it. My feeling on the Chiefs, very succinctly: the defense blows. If Barry comes back, when he comes back from that heel, I think that helps significantly, but yeah. it's still not a great defense. I did like the way they got a pass rush in the game. But the biggest takeaway has to be, look, Tyreek Hill was ridiculous. Okay, Tyreek Hill looks like a video game cheat code every time he has the ball in his hands. It's almost unfair how fast the guy is. And you look at this game, he had a 91-yard punt return for a touchdown to start scoring. He had seven catches for 169 yards and two touchdowns. He was brilliant. And Patrick Mahomes was very, very good. You know, 15-27, to really, if you watch the game, almost doesn't do it justice. 256 and four touchdowns, no picks. He played really, really good football. Uh, And as as someone who obviously is a Chief fan and never hide it, uh, it's nice to see because it looks like they have a franchise quarterback. He did everything you would have wanted. But I'm taking the Steelers in this game. For all the reasons I laid out, I think they need it more. They're at home. And I don't trust the Chiefs to stop Pittsburgh at any point in this game.
3: No, and... I have to see Patrick Mahomes play against a good team because the Chargers, as much as everybody likes to wax poetic about them, it always seems that there's just something a little off about them. And, like, on Sunday, they forgot how to manage the clock. Like, if they know what they're doing and they're not just standing around and wasting time the entire fourth quarter, I think maybe they win that game. Maybe we have a different outcome to that game. So... I'm excited to see how Patrick Mahomes plays on the road in a hostile environment against a team that's not going to be happy about how week one went. You know, say what you will about the, the the Steelers maybe needing a new voice in the locker room, but I don't think Tomlin's going to go easy on everybody after no. that showing no. that they had. So anyway, I don't know what's going on with the Le'Veon Bell stuff. But maybe they move away from that and they actually decide to focus on their next week's opponent. It's going to be interesting. And I'm hoping that the, the, the uh, Chiefs can figure out their defensive problems. But that's going to be a fantasy football player's dream game next week with Mahomes and with with Sammy Watkins. What we saw, he's kind of a footnote, but he looked all right when he got some looks from Mahomes. Travis Kelsey was a ghost. Like This offense is going to be really good this year, and Tyreek Hill's dominating the headlines, which I think is good because nobody's really focusing on Patrick Mahomes in a way that we were focusing on Mariota that first week that he had like we were on Robert Griffin the first week he had – That was detrimental because we all invested way too much stock after a good game. And here's Mahomes, who had a fantastic outing. But everybody's talking about Tyreek Hill. And then you're not considering that there's also Watkins. You're not considering that Kareem Hunt was there. I mean, he was all right. And Travis Kelsey, like I said, was a complete afterthought. Wasn't even a factor in the game. So to me, we've just scratched the surface of how interesting and complex this Chiefs offense can be. And then that doesn't even take into account the interesting play calling that Andrew Reid was going with. I'm going to take the Chiefs in this one just because what I saw out You're of you the Chiefs. Yeah. What I saw out of, the, out of the Steelers makes me really, really nervous. And they're going to have to prove me wrong because that defense Man. is a
2: mess. I'll tell you right now, somebody goes on the radio all the time in Kansas City, if Mahomes goes in there and beats them, the statue's coming for <laughs> week three. Like, I'm, not, hell, I'm not kidding. He goes in there and lights them up and wins that game. Because it's Steelers right now, believe it or not, for the Chiefs, Steelers, Chiefs fans, a lot of them hate the Steelers more than anybody else. If, if Mahomes goes in there, and lights him up and beats them <laughs> for, especially if it's like one of these like 45, 42 game and he throws like five touchdowns. Oh, forget it. Um, but listen, I I disagree a little bit on the Mahomes stuff. I think he looks really good and I I will admit a hundred percent the I doesn't I want nice because I <laughs> want him so bad. But th- I think we can all like there were some throws in that game that he made that were just I mean yes. throws at most guys just wouldn't even try oh, to make. No. So he was he was terrific. I think look, like, and not because I like the team but I think they're going to be one of the more interesting teams in the league mm-hmm. because if that defense could even be average down the road yeah like they're going to score a lot of points staying with that game to some degree here the Chargers at the Bills the Chargers seven and a half point favorites on the road tough to argue with that the way the Bills look I'll be short and sweet with this uh, because otherwise we're going to be on a two hour podcast but I look I think the Chargers are going to win this game going away the Chargers have to win this game mm-hmm. Like, this is the kind of game, they lose to the Bills in this thing. <sighs> you wanna talk about off the rails. Yeah. you are, I mean, you are so far off the rails, you've lost sight of the tracks. I, I don't know how the Bills are gonna win. I'm sure that Allen makes his first career start, but I just, I don't know. I have a real, real tough time seeing the Bills win in this game, or frankly, any game for a while. My hot take is, I don't think Sean
3: McDermott's a good head coach. Like, everybody got on, and you are a leading card-carrying member of this on the Hugh Jackson club of, he just doesn't know what he's doing with his quarterbacks, yanking Sean Kaiser, putting him in, then taking him out, put, starting Kevin Hogan over him, doing all these weird kind of things. This is year two of Sean McDermott doing the same dang thing. He's already, after this game, saying, I have to look at the game film to see whether or not I want to start Nathan Peterman next week. Really? You have to look at the game film to know that you should not start Nathan Peterman twice, buddy. You've done this twice. The first time was five interceptions and he yanked them. The second time was 40 points and you yanked them. You don't need any more game film, but he's doing the same thing. And I fear that this is going to play the same kind of mind games it did with Tyrod Taylor and what it did in Cleveland with Deshaun Kaiser and all those guys. And I, that it's going to have the same effect on Josh Allen. You, get, you either get behind him or don't. Start him or don't. Put him in the game and leave him there. Don't put him in for the second half of a blowout and then go back to the guy that allowed, the you know, paved the path for Josh Allen to come into the game because it was such an outrageous blowout. Don't do it. And I don't think Sean McDermott knows what he's doing, which is also evident by the fact that they had a playoff roster that they absolutely took a blowtorch to. And look at what we got in week one. This is their rebuild. Come on. Like, what are you, what are you doing? I can't, I can't with any confidence take the Bills in any games until I see something out of them. And Sean McDermott, frankly, doesn't fill me with a whole lot of confidence. And I'm in a position where I'm sympathetic with Josh Allen. And I don't know how I feel
2: about that. I don't, listen, you know what? I'll, like, like I said, I'll, I'll be brief with this. But I just I look at the Bills. That team is going to have some struggles ahead because they just have nobody. They have no weapons. The line Mm -mm. stinks. The quarterback situation is a mess. We watched the second half of that game, at least as much as we could. Josh Allen looked scared. Josh Allen was horrible. I I get it, man. They're playing a crappy offensive line. He's running for his life. The Ravens had pressure the whole game. I'm not trying to make a judgment on the kid. I'm really not. I'm not saying that he's not going to be good at some point. But let's just call a spade a spade. Let's call it what it is. Josh Allen looked horrendous. Yeah, he was nervous. He was tentative. He was running around. He wasn't going through his reads, and you know. And we talked like this is to me. I get they stink. I know they were not forty to nothing when he went in the game. But you know what, McDermott, stop putting in. Stop putting it out. Let Peterman just get yeah. his doors blown off. You stink anyway. And this is what you get. You know, they traded Tyrod Taylor for a bag of balls. They never should have moved And Now, that doesn't mean that Tyrod has winning the Super Bowl with them, but I'll tell you right now, they would have played better than that. Oh, yeah. Okay. And now you've got a situation where the Ross first round rookie was Josh Allen, and he's got to start now on the worst team in the league with zero support. That's what you get. And quite honestly, the Bills deserve it. And I, we're watching this Packers-Bears game, and the, the the Bears just made the dumbest play call I've ever seen in my life. Third and a, and a yard with 2.40 to go. If they get the first down, the game's over because new base. No timeouts. Packers now by a field goal. They're running the ball at will, and the Bears, for a reason unknown to anyone in the world, decide to throw the thing, and it's incomplete. And so now... Assuming they kick this field goal and it is good, oh, oh, nothing to worry about. Here comes Rodgers, who looks like a Greek god right now, (laughs) down six with two and a half to go. I'm sure it'll work out just fine. Okay, moving on to the next game, as we watch just one of the dumber coaching decisions I've ever seen. And I like Matt Nagy, but what? Uh, And the field goal, of course, when you hear this, you already get another result, but it is up and barely good inside the right upright. Okay, Hill, let's move on. Miami, the Jets. Miami favored on the road by one and a half. Of course, Jets haven't played yet. They'll be playing Monday night against the Lions. So we won't really get too far into this game because we just really can't. But thoughts on Miami after they start out season one and up.
3: Well, first of all, it was a weird game because they had that like four-hour lightning delay. And the third quarter didn't end up starting until about 7 o'clock Eastern time. Um, But Ryan Tannehill didn't look terrible. And it goes back to the thing that you talked about at the top of the show is that because the Titans are just bad or is that because Ryan Tannehill is actually good or is it because it's week one and we don't really know what we're dealing with right now? Um, One of the problems last year with the Dolphins was it was like this weird Jay Cutler season that maybe exists if you think about it hard enough, but doesn't, if you don't really want to remember it, Tannehill, he's playing for a lot this year. He's a guy who's got to earn his keep. And that's weird to say of a guy who's supposed to be a franchise quarterback. And he looked pretty all right against the Titans. And again, I don't know if that's because the defense was bad or if he's good. But I, I, I like the Jets more. And this is without having seen them at all. Going off of what I saw last year with the continuity of Todd Bowles coming over into this season, what he's done with the defense, what they've added this offseason, and the Sam Darnold effect. I, you know, whatever he looks like against Detroit, he's going to look like against Detroit. It's going to be a week-to-week thing with him. And nobody has tape on him to really go in-depth and look. And the, the, the Dolphins' defense doesn't light me on fire at all because Blaine Gabbert looked halfway decent for a little bit of that game. And Sam Darnold's way better than Blaine Gabbert. So I'm going to take the Jets in this one. And that's a big indictment on the Dolphins because I have not seen a second of the Jets' season at all this year. And I just I'm just really kind of not into whatever the Dolphins are.
2: Well, we'll keep the train rolling. I'll, I'll make it short. I think the Jets win the game. And you're right. We haven't seen the Jets. So that is kind of an indictment on the Dolphins. I have no <laughs> faith in the Dolphins. No. I like Darnold. I think the Jets are a sleeper team to compete for the AFC playoffs. Uh, so give me the Jets minus the one and a half, or plus one and a half. Rather. I think they win that game. A really good game that is apparently going to be... Oh, 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 my God. Rodgers just threw a ball right into Kyle Fuller's chest, and he dropped it. Boy, if they lose that game. My God, is that going to be one that haunts them? Uh, Minnesota's at Green Bay. Of course, this line is going to change, but Green Bay is a point-and-a-half favorite right now. Um, interesting. Rodgers is apparently healthy. He left the game earlier with a leg injury. Now he's back. Yeah. Um, this is a hard game to predict. And, while the ball is deflected by Mac, That's why it was right in his hands. Um, Mac, who, by the way, nice trade by the Raiders. Um, <laughs> Mac has looked like a combination of, of Deacon Jones and Jesus Christ tonight. And, and the Raiders feeling really good the best part of that still to me is that the Raiders gave up a second round pick win. <laughs> yeah. that, that's just the all timer um, anywho okay Minnesota at Green Bay I'll uh, uh, give me Green Bay it's, it's a coin cool Minnesota look terrific I think Minnesota's mm-hmm. probably the better team one 253 53 but Rodgers if he's healthy I, I never bet against him at Lambeau regardless of the way this game turns out so give me Green Bay minus one and a half I think they find a way to get it done plus if they lose this game they're going to be very desperate to win
3: uh, give me Green Bay as well. If for no other reason than Aaron Rodgers saw the Vikings once last year for about four and a half minutes, and it screwed up his entire season, screwed up the Packers' entire season, and he was in the
2: process of lighting them up. Yeah. So
3: there's a bit of a uh, revenge factor here. Plus, it's at Lambeau. So there's that that whole thing. Um, give me give me the Packers. The Vikings are just going to come back to earth
1: at some point. He
3: is going to
2: score, I believe. Oh, my my my
3: goodness. All right, so Randall Cobb, if you're (laughs) listening to this, he just made his play at the end of the fourth quarter here, which I'm assuming is going to win the game. People of the future, let me know if I'm right or wrong. Give me the Packers even more now.
2: yard touchdown to Randall Cobb. I am
3: solidifying my Packers pick in real time as they just come back. I predicted (laughs) this, too. We were in the office, and Rodgers comes back, and I say, wouldn't that be great if he just leads them back? That's the most Rodgers thing ever. Here he is. I mean, I assume they're going to win this game. But now give me the Packers even more because they're going to do this type of thing to the Vikings next week because of that revenge factor. Aaron Rodgers is not a guy that you want to piss off. And Anthony Barr is going to have another thing coming to him next week. And give me the Packers in
2: that one. Okay. Let's go to your team, the Bucs. Yeah. Who somehow (laughs) three-point underdogs at home to Philly. Of course, I I somewhat joke somehow defending champions. Philly's going to this game, assuming with Nick Foles. Uh, they are a three-point favorite here. Both teams, 1-0. and 0. You're a Buccaneer, so you picked dutifully every single game last year. Yep. And you finally broke emotionally and picked the Saints. <laughs> so, all right. The Buccaneers are three-point underdogs in the game. But, hey, look, they looked great. They really did. I know you said, well, they gave 40 points, but a lot of that was you know, later in the game when the Saints were already down by more than they were going to overcome. I'll, I'll cede the floor to you, sir. Three point underdogs at home. Fitzy, more magic. Uh, I'm going to
3: pick the Eagles just because I picked against the Bucks this week and yeah, they go, lost. Yeah, yeah you're so, right. Or they won. So I'm, I'm going to do it again. Uh, the Eagles didn't look great against the Falcons. I think that the the reason that they won that game is because that Atlanta lost. Atlanta should have had 14 points to start that game. They go down, they drive to the red zone, and they come away with barely any points. That should have been a 14-point lead, and that's more than the difference of the final margin. And I, I just wasn't really in love with anything that Philly was doing. Like, they were, they were, things were going so bad. Like, we're remembering this as a win, and it's triumphant, and blah, blah, blah. Things were going so bad that they had to go back into the greatest hits catalog and play one of the biggest <laughs> yeah. hits to get the fans back into anyway, it because they were getting booed.
2: And as it turns out, an oldie but goodie.
3: Oldie but goodie. But they were getting <laughs> booed at that point because they were playing so mediocre against the Falcons. Now, the, the flip side of that is that the Bucks defense is not good, okay? I know they gave up a lot of garbage time points, but they gave up 40 points. This is a defense that was at the bottom of the league last year. I know they won. It's a great confidence booster, but Drew, Drew Brees picked apart that secondary throughout that entire game, okay? Can Nick Foles do that? I'm not as confident that he's going to. I think that there's a matchup that the Bucs were hoping for. It's to get Nick Foles, not Carson Wentz. But still, they have Jay Ajayi. They still have a good passing attack. And then defensively, what is Ryan Fitzpatrick going to do against the Eagles front? I don't know. I'm picking the Eagles to win, maybe because I want the Bucs to win, and I'm being a little bit of uh, superstition here. But the Eagles— if this is a game that they have to win. If they're going to prove that they can once again go to the playoffs and be the team, it wasn't just a one-year fluke. That team wasn't built for just one year. It was built for a couple of years of making runs at a Super Bowl. These are the games you have to win because they are better than Tampa on paper. And I know it's in Tampa, but they have to win this game if they want to prove themselves in a force in the NFC. And it goes to the point too, like we said about Washington earlier, if Washington wins and Philadelphia loses this, All of a sudden, they're in second place, and they're looking back at either the Giants or the the Cowboys, whoever won that game.
2: I'm going to take the Eagles, but you know what? I'll tell you this, and I'm not saying this because you're my friend you're a Buccaneers fan. The Buccaneers really impressed me in that game. Yeah. 48 points. We have talked a lot about the Saints in the last year, year and a half, about how good they are, how they might be the class of the conference. Your Buccaneers went into a very tough place to play, and they took them apart in that game. Now, look, I'm taking Philly because they're the defending champs, and I worry, like the Saints don't have the defense that Philly does. Philly has a very, very good front that's going to yeah. get a lot of pressure. And the problem I do worry about is Fitzpatrick is wont to throw some interceptions. Yeah. So that's my concern. But I'm going to take Philly. Uh, I might take the Bucks to cover though. I think this is the kind of game that could go down to it. If Fitzpatrick doesn't throw picks in this game, I would not be shocked if they win. Uh, I think that's what it comes down to. He's got to avoid the turnovers. We go to the late window. In this game, obviously, we've only seen one of these teams play. Arizona is at the Rams. The Rams' the biggest line of the weekend uh, so far, a 10 point favorite uh, at home against the Cardinals. Now, of course, we're recording this again on a Sunday, as you know, because you've been listening to us narrate a game that you already know the score <laughs> of. Um, the Redskins walloped the Cardinals. Bradford was terrible 20 34 for a buck 53 and a pick. David Johnson, he of the brand new three year contract, nine carries, 37 yards. Fitzgerald looked great but it didn't matter um Bradford also lost a fumble in the game look I have to see the Rams play obviously but I have a pretty good idea what we got there uh I'm gonna take the Cardinals to cover but I'm gonna take the Rams to win I think it's a backdoor cover I think the Rams went pretty substantially here Look, the Rams are just a better team they're better defensively they're better offensively I think the coach is better Steve Wilkes didn't exactly look great in his first start I I have major, or his first uh, uh, coaching a uh, 4A, I, I just have major doubts about the Cardinals. I even picked them week one, but after that, how do you pick them again? So give me the Rams. I think the Cardinals back to recover it, but the Rams might be the most talented team in the league. Uh, if not, maybe the best roster in terms of depth overall, but those top end stars, and they got a million of them. If
3: the Rams are what we think they are, which is a superstar dominant team, this is going to be a bloodletting. This is going to be sacrificial. Because the Cardinals did nothing to light me up. Like I'm not a big fan of Washington. I think they're a very mediocre middle of the road team. Maybe they're a nine and 10 and six playoff team at best. And they just shellacked them. Okay, that was a that was brutal. And it was at home for the Cardinals. The, the Redskins had to come out from Washington. It was a West Coast game for them, and they they were unable to do anything. Defensively, they looked they looked stifled. Sam Bradford was running around and he was running himself into the turf a bunch of times. And a man who's made a glass should not be moving around that much. I, I Give me the Rams in this one. There's there's not a whole lot, lot more to say about that. Especially if somehow, for some reason, which I'm predicting because week one is weird, the Raiders beat the Rams, it's going to be an even bigger killing. Because they're going to want to get out there and get the. And it's a divisional game. It's an easy divisional game that they can get to.
2: So On paper for the Rams, easiest game they might play oh, yeah. in the division. Staying somewhat in the NFC West. The Niners are hosting the Lions. Of course, we've not seen the Lions yet. The Niners are favored by three points. You know, I got to tell you, this is kind of a weird game for me. Mm -hmm. I think the Lions, if Patricia's a good coach, I think the Lions are better than people think. I think they've got a, a decent amount of talent offensively. Stafford is one of my favorite players in the league. Marvin Jones is a really good player. Golden Tate. I want to see how Carrion Johnson is their rookie running back. They have a pretty good line. And defensively, they're not great. They got some guys. Glover Quinn in the back end, Darius Slay. Uh, you know, they got Ansa up front. I'm going to take the Niners simply to be very honest because I haven't seen the lines yet. Mm-hmm. The Niners have some problems in that team. Now, look, I think the Niners have a really bright future with Shanahan. I think Garoppolo will be just fine. But here, here's Garoppolo today or on Sunday because I'm sure you'll listen on Monday. Fifteen to thirty-three for a touchdown and three picks. I mean, that's not that's not great. They ran the ball for three point six yards a carry. I have no idea if Marquise Goodwin's going to play because Marquise Goodwin left with an injury. I'm taking the Lions. I, I or, gee, I'm taking the Niners because they're at home. They got a win. I haven't seen the Lions, but that game to me is a is a toss up. I thought the Niners were exactly what I thought they were going to be, which is a young team with a lot of potential. But they're not quite ready for primetime yet. And by the way, of course, you already know the result of this game. But Trubisky uh, has a deer in the headlights look about him currently. Yeah. And he's throwing thirty one pass thirty one pass for a buck fifty nine. It is fourth and nine now for the Bears here. And it's now or never from their own nineteen. And Trubisky's running and running and lofting deep down the field. It's a jump ball right. and it's incomplete. And the Bears, wow, that's a rough way to lose.
3: It is, but I mean, I guess we can maybe talk about the Bears when we get to them. But since it's in the moment, yeah. I, wouldn't, I don't feel bad about this loss if I'm Chicago. Like, yeah. Flag.
2: It's a flag. First, there's a penalty on the play. I don't know. I, we don't have the volume on. Is it after the play was over? Or was it
3: roughing the passer? roughing the passer call? <laughs> All right,
2: we'll get back to the Bears. Yeah, we'll because get to the Bears, I guess. Yeah. yeah. We'll just put a pin in it. See, wow. And it's a good call. That's a good. Matt, call. Matthews drove them late. It's a good call. I know Packers fans will disagree. Okay, that's a that's a stupid play by a guy who I don't know a hell of a lot better. Okay, that is a stupid play. But let's we, stay on task here. Let's uh, Detroit, San Fran, San Fran, three point favorite.
3: Uh, g- give me the Lions, just because I I I think that they'll they have more that I'm willing to be impressed with than I saw with the 49ers. To me, the 49ers smacked of a team that is good has a lot of potential, could be good in the future, like next year, 2020. uh, But they got way too much praise for doing a whole lot of nothing. And I think it went to their heads because they came into this game and I felt like there was a bravado that they didn't deserve to have. And the Vikings humbled the hell out of them. <laughs> like that was, that was rough. Mike Hughes got in on the action, rookie cornerback, Xavier Rose was all over the place. The like, Kirk Cousins established a relationship with Stefan Diggs. Like that was, that was a young team that's not proven going up against a really good team. And if we were going off of that basis, I think the Lions are a better t- a better team than the uh, 49ers are. I think that they could, if they play well, can contend for a wild card spot and you don't lose games like this. I know it's in San Francisco and they' going they're going out there for that, but I'm taking the Lions in this one simply because I think that they're the better team and I have to be proven wrong with Kyle Shanahan because frankly they've get, they've had enough praise heaped on them without doing enough to earn it and that's got to stop at some point because it might corrupt them and then that's that's a rough break for them.
2: Another 4 o'clock game, 425 actually. Oakland at Denver. Denver, of course, coming off a win over the Seahawks at home. They won 27-24. Oakland to play Monday night hosting the Rams in the John Gruden experience. Uh, <laughs> Denver is a 4.5 point favorite in this game. I'm sure that line will change depending on how the Raiders play, good or bad. Uh, I'll be honest. I was not particularly impressed with Denver. And I'm sure any Denver fans listening say, oh, it's because you're a Chief fan. No, look, it's my job to be honest and fair. Keenan threw for 329 yards. He also threw three picks. And against a better team, that that that's gonna get you killed. You you can't throw three picks in a game. I'm sorry. Uh now I will say this: I was impressed by the fact they ran the ball well. I, I gotta put the asterisk next to it. I think Seattle's gonna be a bottom five team in the league this year. I just mm-hmm. think they're good. Uh, Emmanuel Sanders had a big day. They ran the ball for 4.6 yards of carry as a team. They had six sacks. Von Miller had three. Long story short, I am taking the Broncos in this game. I think the Broncos are an average team. Uh, I think they're a good home team, typically. They always are in, in mile high. By the way, uh, again, here, fourth and ten for the Bears <laughs> at their own 44. Trubisky uh, looking for justice here as he drops back. Nope. And he gets oh, rocked and he fumbles. Not rough in the And they're not saving him this time. It's all over for the Bears. And now we can get to it. here. That was, look... You and I are going to disagree on this. That is a brutal loss. You're up 20 to nothing. I know that the Packers are good. They're on the road. And you got you got star power. To me, this is the kind of game if you're the Bears. Th- this is just a crippling loss. Like, you should have been 1-0. And the thing that concerns me more is once they got out of Nagy's script at the beginning of the game, their offense did nothing. They scored on a touchdown late in the second half from Khalil Mack. And beyond that, their offense went into a shell. Their play calling was abysmal. They should have ran the ball on third and one before the two-minute one. It would have been the end of the game. They probably would have picked up a yard. They have Jordan Howard in the team who was 15 carries for 82 yards. And somehow they threw the ball on third and a foot when Trubisky's out here averaging 4.9 yards in attempt. So they lose, and deservedly so. And boy, oh boy, is that a brutal loss for Chicago. Uh, Hill, let's get your thoughts here on Oakland and Denver first, and then we'll actually go to Chicago, even though they're the Monday night game. Uh... Give
3: me Denver in this one. Oakland, I'm not sold on whatsoever. And I also like the idea that the Broncos are sneakily 2 and 0 because we've been poo-pooing on them a lot and I'm not saying they're going to the playoffs all last year too. Exactly. So maybe they can go a different route here, but even if even if they are going to be a bad team they're going to be better than Oakland. And I think yes. they're, they're going to end up proving that. Great. So give, give me Denver in that Okay,
2: one. so even though we're, we always go in order here, but let's jump. Then there's no line for this game yet. Uh, Seahawks with the Bears. I will tell you right now, I think the Bears are going to win the game because I think Seattle's terrible. But boy, you know, this game, the Bears had every opportunity to win it. Kaiser basically gift-wrapped a bunch of points for him when he was playing. Rogers didn't play about a quarter of the game. The, Khalil Mack gave you an unbelievable performance they still couldn't win the game. And you just look at it now and say, I, if you're the Bears, like all, all offseason this was, hey, this is a culture change. We're gonna show you something. They showed me something for about three quarters, but unfortunately you play four quarters. This to me is just a crushing loss. I I think they beat Seattle, but I'll tell you, I wouldn't be shocked if they don't. I wouldn't be shocked if this is the kind of thing where this just takes the wind out of their sails. This is the kind of game you cannot lose. You have 20 to nothing, and they had every opportunity to win the game. They should have run on third in the yard. Kyle Fuller drops it, a pick that would have sealed the deal, and they can't get off the field, and Trubisky can't make a play. And it just I don't know, man. I'll take the Bears to win, but boy, oh, boy, this is a game that is going to sting for a while.
3: Yeah, it's, it's not a bad game in that it's a learning experience, I think. It is a brutal loss for all the
1: reasons that, that... How do you make a radio ad for an 8K TV that conveys the feeling of 33 million pixels with over a billion shades of color hitting your eyeballs? This is the best we can do. Samsung Neo QLED 8K. Unreasonably good.
3: ...that you outlined. But to me, those are the mistakes that they have to make. And if they're gonna make them, make them now. Like, that's fine. To me, Matt Nagy's in his first year as a head coach. Mitchell Trubisky's in his second year. They just got Mac. He barely knows the playbook. He was barely in this game, but he made such an impact in the short amount of time that he was in there. But if they're gonna make mistakes like this and they're gonna learn the hard way, do it now. And I think that this is a very important game to them because they should've won. They, for all intents and purposes, should've won this game and they lost. And they lost because they made stupid decisions. It wasn't a bad call by a ref. It wasn't a ball that bounced the wrong way. Yeah, they got a little bit lucky because Aaron Rodgers was out of the game for a quarter. But Matt Nagy, run the ball there. Make a different play call next time. Kyle Fuller, hang on to the ball. Put some more stick on your gloves if you have to. I mean, my God, hang on to that thing. Mitchell Trubisky, make a couple of different decisions. He missed Allen Robinson in the end zone earlier in the game in a beautiful route that Allen Robinson ran to the corner. And he had the cornerback, I forget who was on him. He had him roasted and Mr. Trubisky overthrew him. That's a touchdown. We're having a different conversation at the end of the game if that play is made. So the Bears, they have a lot of promise, and that's what you have to emphasize. Because when they got Khalil Mack, it was, oh my God, NFC North champions, it's going to happen. Hey, maybe they're going to make the playoffs this year. No. Relax. Calm down. The Bears are going to be good in the future. This one loss is not going to define the Matt Nagy era. Hopefully it doesn't, because that'd be a, <laughs> that'd be really unfortunate if this is the start of just the same old, same old. But the Bears are going to be good soon. They're not good now. And that's all right. They need to have these experiences. And next week against uh, Seattle, it's at home. The Seahawks are down on their luck. Russell Wilson's still a good quarterback, though. So he's going to be a good test for this defense. And if there was a bright spot in this game, it was that defense. They looked really good for a while, and Mac's going to have another week of practice, another week of getting into that defense, and he's going to become more of a centerpiece. And as we move forward, the team's going to come together. But the fact that they're not together now, I don't think that should bum Bears fans out too much. However, this is is a tough pill to swallow if you've been watching this game just because of the way it took such a violent swing.
2: Yeah, I'm, I'm, I'll tell you right now, I'm done with the Bears for the season. <laughs> I'm dead serious. Yeah. I, when teams lose like this, they don't come back from it. I will be shy. I'll, I'll tell you right now, and I'll leave it at this because we've talked enough about the Bears. Uh, you you want to know why I don't think the Bears are doing anything? Because I don't think Trubisky is, is good. And if Trubisky's not good, I don't care what the rest of his team does. It's not going to matter. Trubisky, once they got out of the script, looked like a, he looked terrified going down the stretch. And you, you know you, you know you think about the quarterbacks in that class, Watson, Mahomes. Look, Watson had a rough day today, but he's looking very good. Watson and Mahomes, and they play, they they look like they're in control. Yeah, they look like they know what's going on. Yep. I get Mahomes to start twice. But they look like they're in total control of what's going on on the field. Mm-hmm. They they know they belong. Trubisky's not looked that way. We shall see. Two more games to go. To I know we're over the hour marks. We'll wrap her up here. Okay, best game of the week, perhaps in week two, along with Minnesota, Green Bay, New England at Jacksonville. Yeah, New England is a one and a half point favorite at Jacksonville. We don't know if Leonard Fournette's going to play; got the hamstring injury against the Giants, so we'll talk about in a second. I'm going to take, I am going to take New England, and I'll tell you right now, simple as can be for me. I think Jacksonville's a lot more of a talented team, frankly, player for player. But Brady is so much better than Bortles. I'm taking Brady in, in this game. I don't care about the rest of it. The NFL is a quarterback-driven league. You've heard it said a million times because it's true. Give me New England. Give me the one and a half. I don't care about the point and a half. The Pats will win this game because Jacksonville is going to struggle to win a lot of games. Everybody remembers them in the playoffs last year, and they have a great defense. But as great as they were and as healthy as they were last year, they went 10-6. And And they're playing a first-place schedule this time around. They barely got by the Giants. New England's going to go in there, and Brady's going to do what Brady does, and Bortles is going to throw two picks and throw for 150 yards, and they're going to lose. Bortles was 18
3: for 33, 176 yards, a touchdown, and a pick. That is his median. That is exactly where he is always going to be. And we had this conversation time and time again last year. Bortles had a weird amount of throws that he didn't make, and he only had 180 yards passing that's gonna bring you down. Like, enough is enough. Like, yeah, he stayed out of his own way in the playoffs last year, but did they go to the Super Bowl? No. If Blake Bortles isn't the quarterback of that team, do they go to the Super Bowl? I think, yeah. I think they'd be- let this them. way,
2: a better chance.
3: Yeah, I mean, easily. Like, Case Keenum's on the Jaguars last year in that game at Foxborough i think they win that game so blake bortles is forever and always going to be the anchor as long as the jaguars keep him around and we're just gonna have to painfully sit through games like this where if they had somebody else maybe if they had a lamar jackson maybe if they had somebody uh, you know a deshaun watson or somebody like that or you know even an eli manning or a case keenum they're gonna win this game or at least be competitive but as long as they have blake bortles i'm sorry duval you know i'm your biggest fan when it comes to that defense i was one of the first people to die on that hill and i'm gonna be proud about that forever but it comes with the unfortunate association with Blake Bortles. That's just the way it is. And you're not going to win games like this as long as Blake Bortles is your quarterback. And I'm sorry. And I have to be proven wrong. And this is what, year four, five, whatever it is, haven't been proven wrong yet. Yeah, I have no faith. I'm sorry. Defense is good. Blake Bortles is a weight that's going to sink you to the bottom of the ocean. That's just the way it is.
2: Yeah, I, I, I agree with you. And I know, a lot of, you know Duval's always given it to me on the old social media <laughs> look. And they were a lot better than I thought they would be last yeah. year. I'm not going to skirt that. They, they were. They really impressed me. But that defense is great. That defense is big time. Th- their offense is just a pop gun. Marquise leaves out for the year. They don't have Robinson or Hearns. They lost them mm-hmm. in free agency. I have no clue if Leonard Fournette's going to be healthy going forward. I just don't trust them. And you know what? You look at those numbers you mentioned with Bortles. It's not just the numbers that you look at in the box score. Okay, It's the throws that he leaves on the yep. field that he doesn't make. It's the big plays that are there for them that he does not make. And there's a lot of quarterbacks across the league like that. Bortles gets hammered more than anybody because he throws so many picks to go along with that. But, like, not to not to go off the, the script here, but that's why the Chiefs got rid of Alex Smith. Yeah. Everybody looks at Alex Smith and says, geez, you know, he was 22 or 30. And this is coming from somebody who likes Alex Smith. I respect him. I think he's a good quarterback. The Chiefs got rid of Alex Smith because they were sick and tired of leaving three or four really big plays on the field. And you saw it week one with Mahomes. There was a play, if you didn't see the game, first drive. Kansas City was already winning because of a punt return. And the Chargers brought a blitz, and I think it was Melvin Ingram actually, who hit Mahomes square on. He came right up into his grill. And Mahomes buggy whipped the throw to Tyreek Hill. I I like Alex Smith. There's no way he throws that ball. And he hit him right in the numbers for a 58-yard touchdown on a slant. And that, to me, is, is why, at the end of the day, Jacksonville's going to have such a hard time winning and winning big because you just are never going to get big plays out of Bortles on a consistent basis. It's just not going to happen. So let's move on. The Sunday night game, the last game we got to cover. It's the Giants at the Cowboys. Cowboys favored by three and a half. Look, I, I don't know what to do with this game. They're both 0-1. Dallas was awful. Mm -hmm. Prescott was atrocious in his game I don't know what to say about that other than they have no weapons I don't expect him to be roaring to life here anytime soon Um, I do think the Cowboys are competent defensively they're at home in the game they both need it you know I'll be very blunt I'm probably going to pick this and then pick it again and pick it again and pick it again throughout the week as of right now I'm taking the Cowboys because I just think, that, you know what? as I pick it again right now, <laughs> yeah. I'm taking the Giants in the game. Because I, I just don't think Dallas is any good. I don't think Dallas can score. And I think the Giants are going to score enough in that game to win. I think, the, I think the Giants are the better team. The Giants have played well at at and Stadium throughout the years. They even beat them the, other, the one time that when uh, Prescott's rookie yep. year. They were 13-3. The Giants beat them twice. I will take the Giants in the game. I think they find a way to get it done.
3: Give me the Giants in this one just because... I saw—defensively, maybe the Cowboys are going to be all right. But—and the Giants didn't necessarily light me on fire, but the Jaguars' defense is good, and and Saquon Barkley did go for 106 yards, and Odell Beckham did get 111 yards receiving. And those are big numbers against a good defense, a defense that's much better and more complete than the Cowboys. And it also goes back to the factor of this is a game where neither of these teams want to go 0-2. That NFC East is a very winnable division. It's very across the board. Washington's involved. Philly's involved, but they're only going to be as involved as Carson Wentz lets them, and we don't know what he's going to be, and also they have Nick Foles as our quarterback. I don't think they should have won week one, but they did. This is the world we live in. So the Cowboys and the Giants very much have a shot to at least be in the conversation here. But if you lose this game and you're 0-2 and you drop your first divisional game of the year, that's a tough break. Eli Manning goes for 224. You know that That's all right. He didn't get a touchdown. He got a pick, but... Those are numbers to me that indicate something is brewing in New York. Something is going to bubble to the surface here. What I saw from Dallas against Carolina was putrid. It was gross. They the, the you know cutting Dan Bailey. That doesn't look good. I really wish they had a, a long, deep threat wide receiver who could kind of stretch the field. Somebody maybe like Des Bryant. I don't know. Maybe that could open up the offense a little bit. Dallas doesn't know what they are. It's confusing to watch them, and I can't with any confidence pick them. It's, it's a weird game because it could go either way. Like you said, it's going to be a back and forth. It's going to be a pick. I might be surprised if, if, if this isn't split right down the middle, but I have to go with the Giants in this one just because it, it seems like they're the better team right now. But it's only
2: week two, so who knows what we're going to be talking about in a couple of weeks. Final thoughts, sir, from week one. I'll leave it on, I, I think – I think the AFC is just going to be nuts in terms of there's going to be a lot of variance week to week. I don't know. The, I saw one team in the AFC that I said, wow, they look dominant. Other than Baltimore, they play the Bills. So I, I don't know what to take from that. And the NFC, we keep talking about how great the NFC is. and I think it will eventually be that. But the Saints, Eesh. the Falcons, I know the Eagles won. They weren't exactly a house of fire either in that game. So, an ugly week, and you know, I guess ultimately this kind of is leading me to my ultimate takeaway. You know, every year it seems like it takes two or three weeks for these teams to get going. Yep. And here's an idea to these coaches. Like, I don't think you need four preseason games, but I will say this maybe use them a little bit more. Yeah. These guys are just so unprepared. And part of that's the CBA. They're not allowed to tackle and all this crap. And they got to think of like seven practices they're going to have contact in and all this. But, you know, at some point here, like, I know you don't want to get hurt, but man. Come on, now! You got to get out there. You got to play a little bit, and it just—I uh, think it showed for a lot of teams. A lot of these teams looked very, very rusty in week one.
3: Yeah, it's it's tough because these games overs are so—they're always so wonky. So we'll, we'll just have to see how the season plays out. But it's exciting because you do have teams like the Bucks who go into New Orleans and win, and all of a sudden they've got it—they're one and zero. Like who knows? They could go one and fifteen. I can't predict the future. But the fact right now is that everything is so wide open, unless you're Oakland. You're in this—or Cleveland. Oakland and Cleveland, that's going to be a fun matchup in week four, by the way. Look out. <laughs> yeah. That's win number one for the, for the Browns. I, I called it a couple You've weeks ago. You've been on ago, that hill.
2: i got to give it to you. If that happens, you get full marks. It's going to happen. i saying that for quite some. Time.
3: It's going to happen. But uh, it, it's so wide open. And it, we said it about the, play, the NFC playoffs last year. You couldn't identify one team running away with with everything, and that's why it was so fun to watch that side of the bracket. That's the feeling that we have at the beginning of the season. It is so wide open. You could have a team like Washington who puts it together, and all of a sudden they're 5-1 as, as we're heading towards the middle of the season. You're like, hey, you know, well, look at that. All those years that the Falcons started undefeated and then ended up missing the playoffs, you know? it's an exciting time because teams are still, like you said, putting it together. They don't know who they are. The Patriots don't end up putting it together until December because they know they're playing in January. The Seahawks for all those years with the Legion of Boom and Pete Carroll would drop games in September, but they'd be so darn good in December because they're playing in January. So I can't take anything too seriously that's happening right now other than to just kind of have fun and enjoy the ride. Let's not overthink this too much. I mean, this is is fun.
2: Well, that's it for us. Uh, a little over an hour, so hopefully uh, maybe you, know, you, had, you had some time on your hands. If not, well, maybe broken into a few <laughs> commutes. That's okay. Uh, but we're really happy to be back with the all season long here. Uh, and, of course, we, not only our stuff, but everybody's stuff at fansided.com. Really, we have some excellent writers. We're super proud of our content. Um, and, and I, you know, my column goes out every Monday at 6 a.m. Eastern, stacked in the box. It's up all day long. Of course, it's up in perpetuity, really, but it's, it's up in current uh, on Monday morning. So please go ahead and give that a read. By all means, feel free to contact either Josh or I, uh, first.last at fansided.com. Uh, and thank you, of course, to our sponsors over at the Fanatics. If you go to fanatics.fansided.com, uh, you will get 20% off of uh, your shipping and they will hook you up with anything you could ever want, from jerseys to hats, so on and so forth. So thank you to Fanatics. who have been an awesome partner. Uh, we really appreciate them. And please, uh, of course, we appreciate you as well. Please subscribe on iTunes. If you like the podcast, leave a ranking, leave a, leave a comment. Uh, and make sure to catch us on Tuesdays as well, 1230 Eastern in the afternoon, where we're joined by Mark Carmen and he's a Bears fan, so I'm sure he's having a fine night, <laughs> and Ashley Young. Uh, where we do a half-hour version of Stack the Box to show. Uh, it's different than the podcast, so it's totally different content. And then, of course, also, I feel like Stack the Box is growing by the hour here. Uh, right. Sundays, we have an hour-long pregame show from 11 to 12, uh, NFL Live, fan-sided, uh, with the same cast of characters, and we preview all the games and pick them as well. So, thank you so much for listen- listening, for Josh Hill. I am Matt Verham. I hope you enjoyed week one. And we're already looking forward to week two of the 2018 NFL season.
4: Introducing Under Armour's Infinity High Sports Bra. Its ergonomic design is molded to support the natural movement of your body. With cord-out padding, the better breathability eliminates extra bulk without sacrificing support. And quick-dry padding is Under Armour's fastest drying padding yet. When you're lifting heavy, running fast, and pushing yourself further than ever before, you need a bra that will help you go that extra mile and make you feel your best. Shop the Infinity High Sports Bra now at UA.com.